Hello and welcome to the Rooted in the Really Real podcast. Get ready to go on a journey of knowledge, growth, healing, and prayer rooted in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now let's dive in. So our last episode was about Lent. We're recording this on the second day of Lent. This is amazing. This this episode doesn't have to do with Lent specifically, but no, we're feeling it. Lent, man. But I think it'll be a help to Lent um, because this episode is all about the more. How do we experience the more in sacramental living, especially in living and practicing the sacraments? Right. So the last handful of episodes we've talked about, we were talking about like sacramental living, being intentional with our, our daily life. And then like we had those um, liturgical living specific examples that, that could help us kind of enter into and lean more into the sacraments and the liturgical calendar. And then we were looking at specific liturgical seasons. We had that episode on Advent and an episode on Christmas and then our last episode on Lent. So so our our current track in our mind, at least what makes sense to us and where we feel that we are going is this liturgical sacramental kind of series here, mm-hmm. which maybe doesn't have a direct like flow, but it's like all all related. You know, it's all stuff that I think can help us enter more fully into the ordinary, but also the liturgical and the supernatural so that we can encounter the Lord and we can deal with our stuff and we can heal in that place. You know, so we discuss those things. I think this episode we want to discuss how do we enter more deeply into these things, maybe into our prayer. If we already have like this base foundation, if we already have somewhat of a routine liturgically, you know, we're going to mass at least on Sundays, if not during the week and Maybe we go to the Adoration Chapel every once in a while. Maybe we're going to confession regularly. How can we enter more deeply into these things that are present already? You know, we might be faithful to these different commitments and sacraments, but but there's always more that the Lord is inviting us into in this place. So, Father Steve, I'm, I'm, but I'm excited about this. I know, like, we always get kind of hyped up and excited and always say the same thing, I think, you know, but, like, I'm excited about this stuff because this is so practical. It's so simple, but... We all want more, and I think the Lord's inviting us into more. And I think that's the the beauty of it, right, is that the Lord's desire for us is that we experience him more fully, more completely, more totally, such that eventually, God willing, right, in heaven, everything is wrapped up in in, in the Trinity. And so even while we live on earth, like there's this invitation to enter into, enter more deeply into this intimacy with the Lord. And I just always want to remind everybody that this is the work of God in our lives. Like we don't, we don't say, I'm going to experience God more and then I do. It's like, no, it's like, Lord, like, help me, help me enter into these places. Help me to, to experience in the sacraments just more of you and more of your love for me and, so that I can respond. And really, it's always the work of God. So that's what makes this so exciting is that as we talk about sacramental living and the sacramental life and, and the, the seasons, right, there is this profound invitation from God to enter more deeply into intimacy and relationship. Because that's, at the end of the day, that's our goal. Right. So the first place I'm thinking that we should go is the Mass, because I think that is the most that's like the most routine part of our life, you know, at a base level is like going to mass, you know, to some extent. And there's so much within the mass that we could exhaust. And I feel like sometimes I've experienced like 1% of the reality of what mass is. And do you think it's wrong to have that outlook, you know, that perspective on how do I get more out of mass? 
You know, like how can I how can I get more out of this for me? You know, maybe mass is boring or something. How can I get more out of it? What do you what are you thinking about that? Well, I think I think the challenge always is it's the question of do I want more out of it because I'm bored, or do I want more out of it because I desire to give God more uh, greater worship, greater greater worship and praise at the holy sacrifice of the mass. And so I think that's really just the first question, right? Like when I think of wanting to get more out of mass, I, I think oftentimes it's, it's self-referential, not necessarily referencing like how do I give God a greater a greater portion of my heart, of my mind, of my intellect, of my will at mass. And so I think that the challenge for all of us is allowing ourselves to orient our our posture at mass really towards God. Right? It's not about me getting something out of it. It's not about just fulfilling an obligation, but it's it's about giving right worship to the Lord, giving God the that place of praise in our hearts, giving God the very best of ourselves, no matter where we are. And I, and I want to say that, that giving God the best of ourselves is always contingent on how we are that day. So I might have woken up completely sick, or I might have woken up with a headache, or I might have woken up just incredibly tired. And I go to mass and I give God the best of what I have. And, you know, if I were to compare it to another day, I'd say, well, I didn't give God anything. But really it's about just bringing to the Lord what I have to give him today and giving him and asking for the grace to really give it to him as best as I can. That that attention is limited or as complete as it might be. Um, but it really is that posture of orienting everything first and foremost towards the trinity towards jesus the father and the holy spirit yeah which is what, what i'm thinking of with with the you know different how it's contingent based on our day or our state of life or, or different things is just my experience now at this season of my life is going to mass with my family on a sunday versus sometimes i'll go to a daily mass by myself um based on our schedule it's like such a different reality for me of you know a lot of Sometimes on Sundays we have to take the baby to the back of the church in the narthex and then I'm like not paying attention and can't really hear anything or the kids are asking me questions or they're not really sitting still or they're poking each other and I'm like paying attention much more to my immediate surroundings and it's like the end of Mass and I have no idea what the gospel was about, but trying to recognize like what I can do to prepare for Mass and what I can do after Mass and then during it just like giving Jesus the state of my heart and just where I am right there is like all I can do. So that when I go to mass like by myself, if it's you know a daily mass and I get to go alone, there's like so much more of an appreciation in my heart, I think, for those times that I can just like be with the Lord. Well, of course, like being with my family is so important, and I love going to mass with my family. Those times I can give, I can give the Lord. I feel like almost more of my heart, but giving Him where I am in that present moment is still like fully giving everything I have, you know? So it's not like, oh, that mass is bad and this mass is good, but just recognizing like we all have hard days and we all have like good attentive days. And yeah, sometimes we're coming into mass rushing from some like stressful, chaotic thing or yeah, we don't feel well or something. So there's always different circumstances to take into consideration when we're at mass with what we can give. Because I think sometimes we could place those high expectations on ourselves of like, I should be paying attention better and I should like be able to memorize this and know what the reading was about and, you know, just all these things like we put on ourselves. It's just the Lord wants us to be gentle and like present, you know, and mm -hmm. give, give him what we have there. And so I think, you know, just kind of dovetailing off that, right. It's, there's a couple of really practical things we can do before going, you know, one is 
just having a chance to talk about the readings. Maybe you do that Saturday night as a family. Maybe you do that sometime during the week, one night. You just say, well, these are the readings for Sunday. So this way, like, if even if your kids are struggling or let's say you're there and you're not feeling great and you may not have been able to pay as much attention as you'd like, at least you had taken time somewhere throughout the week to have heard the readings so this wasn't your first time hearing the proclamation of the gospel or the first or second reading. So the second, the second thing that's really practical is trying to get to Mass a little early. Because if you get to Mass right on time, it takes time for the body to, to calm down and to, in a sense, enter into the new environment. And so just like we get to movies oftentimes early to watch the previews, um, if we arrive to Mass early, it gives us space for our, our mind and our hearts to place themselves in, in this, this sanctuary, in this place of worship, and to, to allow our bodies to calm down and to, if we were rushing or anything like that, but to be still and to encounter whatever the Lord has for us. And this, this really does dispose the heart uh, to encounter the Lord more fully in the celebration of the Mass. As priest uh, St. Charles Borromeo would write to his, his pr- priests and he would say to them, he'd say, you know, if you're struggling at Mass, what were you doing before you came? What were you doing in the sacristy? What were you doing? Uh, you know, where are you coming from before you have this? You celebrate the sacrifice of the mass, because oftentimes what we were doing before can can greatly influence our own uh, capacity to be available. So, if you were doing something really, really strenuous, it might mentally strenuous. It might be challenging to engage the mass because your mind, in many ways, is exhausted. Or if you were spending a lot of time on your phone or doing something else or watching a movie, it might be hard to enter into Mass because you're distracted by the memories that came from the movie. So the next thing that would be really important for Mass is having a petition, bringing something to the Mass that you're praying for. And at Mass, we are invited to bring an intention to the Lord. Because with that intention and that offering, the gifts being brought up, we are meant to offer our very selves, wherever we are, our thoughts, our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our souls, everything is meant to be offered to God. And the Lord especially wants us to bring to him those particular uh, intentions that our hearts might hold very dear to us, whether it's somebody who's sick, whether it's it's one of our kids, whether it's work or something of that nature. He, he desires us to bring an intention such that when we receive communion, we we, we make that act of faith that God has heard our prayer, and if it is for our good, it will be answered uh, accordingly. And so like this is just these are just some real simple things. And the last one is actually an act of thanksgiving. When I make an act of thanksgiving as a priest after mass, there's a tremendous amount of gratitude that also inflames in my heart a, a, a longing to again celebrate the mass. When I don't make an act of thanksgiving, it can become routine and rote and almost feel like a responsibility rather than, than a gift and an opportunity. So that the last one I really do think is the importance of, of Thanksgiving, an act of Thanksgiving after every, every Mass that we go to. Yeah, I recognize, and in just my, my own experience, it's just having a family with young children, that how difficult it can be to get out the door early or you know get to Mass 10 minutes early and the kids are all losing it in the pew or something, and then how hard it is, you know, Mass is over and like, the kids might be ready to leave and putting on coats and you're like, no, let's kneel down and like say a prayer of Thanksgiving or something. It might be difficult. It might be difficult to enter into that. I think we try to make it a practice now where we're giving ourselves that like cushion and that buffer time in the morning to get ready for mass. So we're not like rushing because it can be so stressful to try to get the three kids ready and like myself and Drew and everybody out the door. We're just like, we don't want to be going into mass rushing 
and oh, we're running late and everybody just throws stuff together and let's go, you know, like, so we try to prep the stuff that we bring to mass, you know, the night before the kids pick out their mass outfits the night before. And we have that extra buffer so that we can get to mass a little bit early and we can have that time of prayer. And while it's not perfect at all and we don't have the best masses all the time, I think our kids are much more routinely in that habit now of praying before mass. And then we know that after after mass, we all kneel down and we, we say prayer Thanksgiving. And it's, I think it's just, it, it helps our minds too, as we transition from outside to inside the church to back outside. There's just like some kind of psychological thing of of praying first to help like prep us into that transition because when you're walking in the door and mass is starting and you're trying to find a seat while the priest is processing in it's like you don't have any transition time even mentally you know like you might not even have any time to pray but just that like mental transition is it really helps us to have that little cushion so i think that's all yeah really good advice there it's even true for me, like the times when I'm I'm 15, 20 minutes early for the celebration of a mass versus the times when I'm two or three minutes. Uh, I am much more re- more like I I'm able to approach the mass in a very different way because my mind is at peace versus the anxiety of like, am I going to make the light? Am I not going to make the light? Am I how late am I going to be? So I do think just even that that little bit of strategizing and preparing like the night before, it also says that mass is important. This is something we prepare for the night before. So I think those are these are just some really good, I really helpful helpful ways that we can enter more deeply into into the mass. Yeah, they're simple little things, but I think when we tweak simple things, make those small adjustments, it can make a big difference. The next place I wanted to go to was adoration. And that's not, you know, directly a sacrament, but it flows from the sacraments and it's important. And I think it's a it's an area where we can lean more deeply into encountering the Lord and giving him more of our heart. So I guess I want to ask you, how can we have a more fruitful time in adoration? Is there maybe a right or a wrong way to use that time? You know, I think when it comes to a right or a wrong way of using the time in adoration, I think if we see adoration as a time to get stuff done versus an opportunity to be with a friend, I think that that orientation of our minds really uh, sets the parameters for what adoration is. You know, if I'm there because I'm like, I'm going to pray my rosary, I'm going to read this passage of scripture, I'm going to read this book, and that's my hour, I I spent most of it doing because it's all about getting something done. But if I if I approach adoration as this opportunity to grow in my friendship with the Lord Jesus, and a rosary is a part of that, right? The, that disposition of the heart then allows me to enter more deeply into the mysteries of the rosary that I'm praying with. It allows me to enter more deeply into what I'm reading. But if I see it as, as an opportunity to accomplish something or an hour of quiet where I get stuff done, it, it really um, takes away from the opportunity to simply be with a friend and to, to and to really waste time with a friend. So it's that, it's that, am I here for myself or am I here to be with Jesus? And then I think, too, when it comes to bringing things to adoration, I think always less is more. When we always begin, right, we have to begin with materials to help us stay engaged and to help us grow in the life of prayer. But at a certain point, we have to begin allowing the Lord to strip us of those things so we don't make our relationship with him dependent on them. But rather, our relationship is solely dependent on the intimacy that he has with us and we with him and, and just, just wasting the time with him, even, even if it doesn't seem productive, right? Friendship isn't about being productive. Friendship is about being with someone. And so I think if we can approach adoration and prayer from the standpoint of this is an opportunity for me to be with the Lord and for him to be with me without distraction, without other things, 
I do think it will shift our own experience of adoration, deepening it and allowing us to taste uh, even more fully and to drink more fully from the love that God has for us. Yeah, how I currently am trying to approach adoration is recognizing that like, I do have pockets of time throughout the day to pray liturgy of the hours or pray, you know, I pray a rosary with the kids every day. And I have space kind of for that at home. I can talk to Jesus at home or, you know, I can read scripture at home. But my time in adoration is much more appreciating the silence that I don't always get at home and just having that space, that like sacred silence and space and time and gazing on the Lord that usually I only bring like my prayer journal in if I need to jot some stuff down that comes up. But it can be difficult to like have that time and not be doing because I'm so used to doing and doing and doing and accomplishing stuff during the day. Sometimes it's just like hard to settle down and I'm tempted to like, yeah, like let's just knock stuff out and let me read this book and let me pray a rosary and get that Divine Mercy Chaplet and then do all the stuff. But then it's like, for me at least, there's there's a block there in my heart. I'm not actually like vulnerable with the Lord. There's there's something I'm not giving. I'm just trying to accomplish stuff and then be like, I'm I'm doing great in my prayer. And it's like, yo, just chill out, you know? I do. And I think you you just you use a really critical word, which is vulnerable, right? Prayer, if we we don't judge or evaluate our prayer. The only question we ask ourselves is, is was I vulnerable? And sometimes I'm not able to be vulnerable because there's pain or there's hurt. I'm not ready to go there with the Lord. But really, I think, too, in adoration, it's a it's a beautiful time for us to choose the gift of vulnerability, to choose to trust what God is doing, and to allow our hearts to be poured out into into Him. And then to still be, like, honest with the Lord, you know, because, yeah, maybe there is stuff that we don't want to talk about or we don't want to go there. We're trying to distract ourselves, but there can still be, like, an honest this is all the stuff I'm dealing with and I don't want to deal with it and I don't want to talk about it, but here's my heart and I'm just going to sit here and try to receive, you know? And I think that can do a lot more good for us than burying our head in scripture sometimes. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to ask you, Ashley, just going to the next sacrament, which is confession. What have you found for yourself uh, to be some helpful um, helpful approaches to confession to get more out of the sacrament or enter or to enter more deeply into it? Who said you get to ask the questions? Yeah. <laughs> no, I um, the thing that I think can be so profound in leaning more deeply into confession is recognizing like a lot of the underneath stuff. You know, a lot in like my healing journey is acknowledging where are the areas of unforgiveness. You know, what are those areas of fear and the anger that comes up, or the areas where I don't feel loved or I feel triggered in some way. I don't feel secure. There are like different lies and fears and and spirits present, like acknowledging all that and how it affects the sins that I commit, I think is a lot more fruitful than just being like, I was uncharitable towards this person. I made a judgment, you know, here and I was prideful here, like just to say the sins. And maybe, you know, like this can be more of like a daily part of our examination of conscience or it just becomes more routine. But I think it's so important to acknowledge what is what is underneath the stuff. Um, and that's that's a hard place for us just to go to, like, on our own sometimes. We don't want to, like, go digging and figure out what are all my issues and what's there. But I think that those can be the more powerful confessions when we, like, give the Lord all the hurt and pain and lies and fears underneath the sins, too. It's almost like, what's the thing behind the thing? Yeah. You know, I think that's a really good point. Um, 
because I think I believe uh, myself personally, like in my own confession, it's like when I take responsibility for the feelings that also animated those sins, the feelings that were there that I was ignoring and wasn't bringing to the Lord, right? In some ways, I'm also confessing how I hid my heart from him uh, and how I didn't share with him the hurt or the anger or the pain. And I was trying to take care of myself. And that's, that it does a lot because it, it allows me to see, A, the love that God has for me and the mercy that he has for me. But also, it allows me then to ask him for that assistance and asking for the grace that comes from the sacrament to really penetrate those places in my life um, where, uh, where, those, where I uh, was acting out of. For sure. I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's... I mean, confession shouldn't be just like an easy, simple thing. And we're just flippantly going and just being like, I did this and now I'm done. But but if we just go and say like, oh, yeah, I did these like five things in the last month. I th- I think it's it's easy to kind of fall out of that genuine authenticity of of feeling sorry for our sins and truly repenting if we're not inviting Jesus into the reasons why we do the sins. Um, because. I might be really upset with someone. I might be confessing the sins of gossip and judging their heart and and all this stuff around a person. But maybe what's underneath it is it's unforgiveness that's rooted in a hurt. You know, they hurt me and I'm having a hard time forgiving them. And then it's manifesting in all these sins. We can confess the sins and that is good and necessary. But also what is underneath that? Why, Why are we going to those same sins? And why do we find comfort in certain sins? What are we looking for? I think... That's obviously like super loaded and we should have a couple episodes just on that itself. I'm thinking like Unbound by Neil Lozano and um, Be Be Healed by Dr. Bob Schutz. Like those books go into like a lot of those things under the thing and the healing journey and kind of why, what are we looking for and what's rooted underneath all of our sins. And I'm just thinking Bob Schutz's book, he like uses a tree and the sins are just like the fruit of the tree, the, the the very external part of the tree. It's not even the main part of the tree. It's not even the root system under the tree. Like just going towards our sins and confessing those, but not dealing with all the stuff underneath is always going to, like, it's only going to get us so far. It makes the analogy of, of either do we prune or do we uproot? And uh, if we, you know, every time we go to confession and we don't confess the underneath thing, um, we're just pruning and we're just waiting for it to really grow back. And so, Really giving ourselves that space or permission to ask the question of like, what's, what was the motivation? What was the need? What was I trying to take care of here rather than letting the Lord take care of? It's super powerful and really transforming. Like I've seen, I've seen a lot of people who, 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 again, they don't waste time and they don't tell stories in confession, but they come into confession acknowledging the sin and the, the, the animating principle behind it that gave the sin life. And that simply allows the priest then to also give them other counsel Right, because then the priest is also able to hear patterns or other things that might be going on in their lives uh, to help them continue to grow in that in this life and on this journey. And that's obviously like a lot, you know, like it's not an easy thing to do. It's not a comfortable thing to do. It's very raw and vulnerable and just ugh, like we don't want to necessarily go there, but that's like the healing journey. That's what we're called to do, not on our own with our own self-reliance and us leading the way, but but with the Lord, where he's guiding us in community through the sacraments, like being in this place of acknowledging what is underneath the sin, what is there. And so, yeah, it's not super pleasant. And we're just listing it as like number three and then moving on. But I, I think that's a good place to dwell in our prayer. That's it's always, I mean, it's like 
it's one of those places that each night when I look at my life and I do my exam and sitting with the Lord, it's one of those questions I ask is, okay, like, Lord, what was, what was my motivation in those moments where I either turned away from you or where I got frustrated with somebody or where I got angry with somebody? What was, what was behind it? And then I bring the, what was behind it to the Lord and ask the Lord, of course, to heal and, and draw goodness from my sinfulness or the mistakes that were there. But but really, I asked the Lord then to abide with me oftentimes in the place that was behind it, because it was a place where love was needed, and it wasn't. And so just asking him to meet me there and to, to take care of the tenderness of my heart uh, in those places has been really a great help, a great help for me in my own spiritual life. Um, and a great a great help for me on the journey, and an encouragement really for all the my directees. It's been a great help for them. Yeah, I like it. It's hard, but I like it. Mm-hmm. So I just want to talk about a couple more things in this episode, in this frame of mind. The next one is looking at how can we lean into our baptism a little bit more. You know, how do we better live out our baptism through these other sacraments? So. What difference does our baptism make? How does it affect us going to mass or adoration or confession? You know, like, isn't that just kind of something that happened a long time ago? And I know we had, we've had we had episodes on identity and baptism and, and stuff before, but just kind of in this perspective of, you know, going forward, how can we lean into this more? What do you think are a couple important things? Well, I think we always want to remember that um, that our baptism – in our baptism, we turn away from sin. We turn away from the lies of the enemy. We turn away from the enemy, the devil himself, and we turn towards God. We turn towards the Lord and the love of the Father that he has for us. And in that turning, what we're actually acknowledging is that where we belong. We, we are acknowledging that we are temples of the Holy Spirit and that we belong to the Father. And so the use of these sacraments, the use of our, the use of confession and the use and, and participating in confession, participating in Mass, participating in adoration, these sacraments are what allow us to hear authentically the voice of God and and give us the ability to discern between the whispers and the lies of the enemy, our own personal voices, and, and then what really and truly is the voice of God. And to live out our baptism well, we have to know this voice of God. We have to know who is speaking to us. We have to know what his voice sounds like, because otherwise the enemy the enemy tries to impersonate the Father all the time. In fact, that is one of the things that um, uh, that he he really is good at. He is really good at trying to impersonate the Father, so that we ourselves lose trust in Him and lose and doubt His goodness and His love towards us. So, really, the very first thing when we think when I think of baptism is an active participation in these other sacraments and these other places, because. It is in coming to know the love of God for me through his very gift of himself in the Eucharist and in his mercy in the gift of confession that I begin to see and taste and believe right in the truth that God is for me and not against me, that he has chosen me, that I am uh, his delight, his joy, and that he, is honor- he honors, right, and that he honors me because he wants to give me what is the very best, which is his son in the Eucharist. Yeah, I actually think like as as you're as I hear you talking about this, by living out as I'm hearing you talk about this, I almost think by entering more deeply and intentionally and trying to lean into the sacraments that we're talking about by going to mass and adoration and and confession and really trying to lean into those places by doing that very thing. We are intentionally living out our baptism more authentically. You know, mm-hmm. we're 
or entering more deeply into our identity and where we belong in that space and relating to the Father. Which makes sense because if we're growing in one way, like the other ways come with it ultimately, you know, like we're we're growing and holistically trying to heal and, and develop that relationship with the Lord. So we would be living out our baptism by doing that. I just think it's, it's, I'm not always thinking about my baptism, but like I should be, you know? And I think ultimately like when I am grateful for being a daughter of, of the father, like that is ultimately like my baptism. Um, but I guess I, we just want to offer that as you are listening, you know, if you don't often think of your baptism or thank the Lord for that, that grace, that this is something that we can enter into more fully and better just live out through these other sacraments. And I think the other part about our baptism that really we we neglect is remembering like the, the when we when we actively participate in these other sacraments, it is vastly easier. It is far easier to remember that that the importance, the worth, and the value of my life, and that I am a temple and in possession of the Holy Spirit, right? That this is a gift that was given to me and that the Spirit abides within me, the presence of God dwells within me. You know, in many ways, each of us uh, participate in some way in, in being Theotokos, right? Like we bear the Lord God within us, um, not in the same way that Our Lady does, but in a very in a very similar way. And there's something very powerful about remembering that, that within me is God and that I have the opportunity to make his presence known in my own words, in my own actions. And this is all the fruit of baptism. This is not something I've done, not something I've earned, but it's all the fruit of baptism. And and when I live this out, there is a freedom and a joy and a security and a happiness and and a peace that comes in almost every other circumstance of life because I'm rooted in him. And I think just going off of that, the natural then consequence of living out our baptism would be, you know, seeing how leaning into these sacraments and growing in these areas would then affect our friendships, our marriage, you know, our vocation. How does that change anything? Well, I think I think the reality is is that when we know who we are in baptism and we know the truth of this, we allow Jesus to bear our hearts, our souls, our experiences. And and that's what he wants. He came. He goes. He came to bear uh, and to enter into the the depth of the mystery of each of our lives, and to bear in his own being uh, what we experience in our hearts, so that in friendship we can share, and in marriage we can share our hearts with our spouse. But we don't need our spouse then to to bear it, because that's that is Christ's role. That is what Christ desires to do. That's what he wants to do. That's why he came. He came to bear our iniquities and our infirmities, and to walk with us through through this journey of life. And so I think that it allows us when we when we take time to enter deeply into mass and deeply into prayer and adoration and the use of confession, it allows us to develop the habit of going to God with those places of difficulty and challenge so that our spouse isn't hearing it first, right? It's it's something that God has helped us already walk through so that when we share it with our spouse, we're actually sharing something rather than almost in a sense dumping on them. Now, this takes time, and sometimes we're going to dump on our spouse anyways. I know that I'll come home sometimes from the rectory, uh, from the office, and I will dump on my pastor all the stuff that's in my heart and my mind. And my pastor looks at me, and he goes, the chapel's over there. And I thank him for that, and then I go to the chapel. Uh, And then we come out, and we process, and I apologize. Um, Because it's like I was wanting him to hold 
what he really, what he really, he wasn't created to hold. He wasn't created to to bear my heart. That was the Lord. The Lord. The Lord comes to do that. Not not my pastor. Not the people I live with. So I think it's just um, the beauty and the fruit of it is is that there's a great freedom that comes about in relationship because the other person is no longer expected to bear or to carry what they themselves don't have the strength to bear or carry. And just to clarify, I know you're not saying we can't go to our spouse first necessarily, because I know sometimes it's like I can't always go to prayer first or I'm just overwhelmed with so much. And so I do want to process a bit with my husband or bounce a few things off or vent a little bit about just everything going on in my head. And then I like have a better articulation of like how to present that to Jesus. I think there is like um, um, something useful and powerful there. But as you're saying it, it's recognizing that I can't place those expectations on him to solve my problems and to carry it all for me and to bear the weight of all my issues. And then don't, I don't go to Jesus. I'm just expecting him to solve all my problems and make me feel better. And he can't do that. And that's not fair. I'm like placing the expectation of God the Father like on my husband and then I'm going to be disappointed and then I'm going to be frustrated, you know, and then we're going to be miscommunicating and he's going to be like, why is she in a bad mood? Like, I'm just listening and, you know, like it's going to cause problems when we misappropriate those expectations and roles of what the Lord can do. So, yeah, we can't just like dump everything on someone and expect them to fix it and expect them to carry it without recognizing like there's healthy processing, there's healthy sharing, but we do ultimately need to be giving the Lord our heart before, during, and after all that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and sometimes our spouses are the ones who t- who point out to us. Um, like my pastor sometimes points out to me the need to take this to Jesus. And for which, for which I am very grateful, very grateful, especially too, when they, you know, as a priest, like you have the time in many ways. And so when, when a spouse can give their other spouse time for that, that is a huge gift. That's all I want to say. Um, I know there's so much that we can say, and obviously each of these like little bullet points we're, we're shooting through could deserve their own episode, but I just wanted to offer kind of like a what if going forward. You know, right now we're recording and you might be listening to it and it's Lent, but you could be listening to this anytime. But, it, but regardless, what if the next time you go to Mass, the next time you, you prepare for confession, the next time you go to adoration, the next time you pray and process with your spouse— whatever it is, what if you try to lean into those sacraments, that prayer, in such a way that we can more authentically give ourselves to the Lord, you know, prepare our confession, recognizing kind of what's what's going deeper, what's underneath the sin, um, trying to prepare a little bit for more for Mass and be able to give more authentically our hearts to the Lord and I just think, what if what if we did that? I think good things can come from that. Amen. <laughs> Almighty God, we give thanks and praise uh, for the gift of baptism, the gift of the Eucharist, the gift of confirmation and confession, the gift of matrimony, holy orders. We just ask, Father, that you would help us to go deeper, help us to experience the more, that we ourselves may um, just be with you more uh, and draw closer to you and receive more deeply for what, from the well of love that you have for us. We just ask for every grace and blessing upon ourselves and all who listen. And may Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. You can also follow our Facebook page, Rooted in the Really Real Podcast, and Ashley Poltorek on Instagram for episode information and more. God bless.